You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, what is it, is it October 2nd? Sure, October 2nd. October 2nd, 2017's episode 279. Uh, Rob and Jason, we're recording in Jason's office here during the day because our recording, our schedules have been a mess, so hope you guys don't mind bearing with us for a kind of messy episode here. But with 100% less echoes than the last episode. So That's for there sure. There is that. That's for sure. Um, yeah, so uh, doing this again. Hey, uh, what's up, man? Yeah, what's up? been a while since we've just recorded like normal just recorded yeah uh, grand con in there and uh yeah it's been last time we recorded <clears throat> neil was hanging out with us yeah. so uh yeah hopefully gonna get back to normal um recording schedule and location and structure uh for the next couple episodes and we should be clean from there i expect yeah yeah so that should uh everything should calm down then i think the next event we're going to is Unpub Midwest, and yep. I don't know if we'll have time to record there or not. We'll see. It just depends on uh, schedule, how that rolls out. Yeah. So I have nothing to bring to that event. Absolutely nothing. And I have a game that I'm super excited about, but that I don't think needs a bunch of feedback, so it's <laughs> probably a waste to bring it there. Sure. So, yeah, I'm struggling yeah. with that as well. Okay. Um, I do have something... Uh, the, so the game that I'll pitch next week, because you're going to pitch today, yeah. right? Yeah. So the game that I'm going to pitch next week, I think, is what I'll probably end up putting together Frown Pub. I hope that it's I hope that it's not my first playtest there. I hope I right. can get at least one playtest in by then. But so we'll see. <clears throat> I do have some news. Yeah. Um so I already mentioned to everybody that uh I signed simple surgery not mm-hmm. too long after Gen Con and I'm still not allowed to say who that was with. Hopefully we'll be able to make an announcement um in the near future sometime. Probably in the new year I expect. Um, If all is going as planned, uh, so I guess two announcements actually. If all is is going as planned, Epic Monster Tea Party will be up on Kickstarter in October. Mm -hmm. Maybe as early as October 3rd, but we don't have the official date nailed down yet. But uh, it's been a long road, um, and... uh, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty feeling pretty good. I um, I know we were close last spring and then it didn't work out, and now I feel like we've got a pretty good chance of actually making it happen this time. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited. You guys are going to get to be able to finally see that, have an opportunity to get a copy for yourself. Um, so I will certainly keep you guys posted once we know stuff for sure. Uh, hopefully, I was able to put a little bumper in front of this episode saying officially yes that uh, that is <laughs> happening. So we'll see. Um, so that's one piece of news. That's great. Second piece of news is uh, just this week I uh, signed a contract for Eight Arms to Hold You. Yeah. Uh, that one I can talk a little bit more about, just a little bit more. I signed that with Card Lords. Uh, Card Lords, I think, is based out of Nevada. Uh, they've had two games uh, published so far through Kickstarter. The second one is doing fulfillment right now. The first one was called Battle Goats. Second one was called Take the Gold. 
they specialize in small box card games, mm-hmm. um, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, fifty-two card kind of thing. They have a they have a neat product. They have a, a a tuck box. It's not really a traditional tuck box. It's made of hard plastic. Uh, it's very rugged, very rigid, and they get full color print on on that. Um, uh, it, it's a neat thing that makes their games easy to travel with, easy to pack, keep them safe in your bag, so you can. Knock, her, knock them around and not have to right. worry about them getting beat up. So that's pretty cool. Right. Um, I think likely that name is going to change. It won't stick. It won't be called Eight Arms to Hold You. We'll see where that goes. Uh, and I think uh, they've got a few other ideas in mind for some tweaks to uh, to make it fit their catalog a little better. But mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm really excited about that. That I think right now tentatively they're targeting uh, Kickstarter either second or third quarter of 18 for that. Cool. But also that's. Mostly to be determined. So right. Anyway, so that's pretty cool. I'm excited, um, and we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Excellent. Congrats. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So builders, thanks for your support. I, I think I was kind of thinking about this, and um, it's one of those things where it, it's a good reminder for us to not get discouraged, right? That it was was it 2015 that I sold. No, I think it was 2014 that I sold Tea Party and Saloon Tycoon. Uh, Might have been 2015. Might have been 2015. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, it's been a while, right? Yeah. And I sold those two right in quick succession. And uh, it took a little while for Saloon Tycoon to get to Kickstarter, but, I mean, not not an unreasonable amount of time, right? No, no, no. production. There was a lot to do with that. A lot to do with that, right. So, uh, and that hit, and then um, I was excited about that, and then uh, Tea Party kind of went dormant for a while, and then I really had a long dry spell, right? I had mm-hmm. I had Unpub uh, in 2016 that really just didn't go anywhere for me, uh, and then Unpub of 17 also didn't really go anywhere for me. I played Eight Arms and it went really well, but didn't get any interest from anybody. Right. Um, <clears throat> um, so I, I think so. Yeah. So yeah. So it would have been 2015 that I signed those. You're right. Mm-hmm. 2015 Unpub, and at that time I was saying like, man, Unpub, go to Unpub. Unpub is the thing. Then on Pub 16 kind of turned into a dud, right? Right. Um, but I also really wasn't very prepared for it. Um, I, I the game that I brought to that was was not ready. It was not ready, and and obviously it was Galactic Scrappers. So I haven't done anything with it. And so on Pub 17, obviously I brought Eight Arms and I brought um, Autumn Leaves. And Autumn Leaves don't really know what I'm going to do with. I got a lot of good feedback from a gentleman, and I'm sorry I don't remember your name off the top of my head. Uh, I'd look at it on my phone, but my phone is recording right now. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> uh, actually, I've gotten feedback from several people now that I think about it. Um, at any rate, um, uh, Eight Arms, I really was happy with the testing, but I didn't get any interest from any publishers on that. Um, and then along comes Gen Con and the speed dating. And the speed dating, I focused on simple surgery, um, but that also allowed me to make connections with other publishers. And so um, after signing Simple Surgery, I was able to reach out to those others who I'd been talking to and said, and this is the same thing that I did with Saloon Tycoon and Epic Monster Tea Party, right? I, I, I reached out to the people who had been looking at the one game and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm closing the deal here for that. But if you can tell me more about what you're looking for, I can see if I have something else that fits your <coughs> catalog. Right, right. Uh, and that's how I was able to connect here with um, with uh, Eight Arms Soldier. So um, I, I think, I, so I... So to try and extrapolate a lesson from this, right, or or something to learn, mm-hmm. uh, I um, I think I think what 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 I learned from this is not just that Unpub is the best. What 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 I've learned is meeting people and talking to people, and making connections, positive connections with people is what matters. Right. And anytime you have an opportunity to do that, you should try and do that. Um, 
meet publishers, talk with publishers, make sure those interactions are positive. Uh, and even if they don't want your game, maintain that, that good positive connection and, and that positive relationship. And they'll remember you, and then they'll be happy to talk with you again in the future. You know, So that's... I think that's really kind of kind of the key thing to, to learn from this for me. For sure. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my news. Cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so, today we were going to go through some uh, voicemails and stuff we got from listeners because uh, we've been ignoring those for several episodes as we kind of end up doing sometimes when we get wonky schedules. Right. Um, so, we want to make sure we're getting back to that because we don't like not doing those mm-hmm. so uh, so we're going to go through a few of those and um, yeah answer some questions and uh, yeah here we go alright so pulling up the first one here BDG Leonard Rexford what's going on so uh apologize for not seeing you guys more at uh, Gen Con but uh, I planned this poorly and uh, well the spectacle of Gen Con took over but I just really effed up Dream last night and I wanted to share it because well Seems appropriate. So I think I was at Origins or Grand Con. I feel like it was one of those two, but it wasn't in the normal location. It was being held in the KB Toy Store, and we were down one of the aisles, and I was demoing a game of, um, of, um, damn it. All right, I'm going to hang up. I'm going to call back, and I'm going to get the name, and I'm going to figure this out. All right, thanks, Len. That was a that was a message from Len. That, um, is, that is definitely a message from Len. So, um, boy, KB Toys. I used to go to KB Toys every what was I think it was every Wednesday. I used to work in the, in the local mall, uh, and uh, that was back when I was collecting action figures. Because Wednesdays is when they would put out their new stock. Ah. And so every day, and I so I worked on the dock at a department store, loading dock. And I'd have to be in at like 5 a.m. And so my lunch hour was, you know, 10-ish or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would go and I would wolf down a sandwich real quick. And then I would walk to the other end of the mall and go to KB Toys to see what new action figures they had. Uh-huh. Um, was there like a race to get action figures or no? By the time I got there, because they, you know, because if I, if I got there at like 10.30 and they probably opened at 9.00. I was always too late for like the really good stuff, the rare stuff, because the series collectors made sure to be there as soon as they opened. So I would, I, so I never, I, I would occasionally find something cool, but I also wasn't really collecting for rarity. I was collecting stuff that I thought was cool. Right. Okay. So I wasn't smart about it by any means, and I was mostly just wasting money. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds smart. Right. Which is something that I did a lot of in my early twenties. Hmm. As did most of us. Yeah, right. Some of us would say we still do that on board games. Well, <laughs> at least that's something that you can play with, right? The action True. figures were just to be put on a shelf. Many, many of them never even opened. Still right. got all those. You still have them all? Most of them, yeah. Yeah, they're still sitting in packaging in, in boxes in storage. I should get rid of those. Yeah, yeah. Wonder how. Yeah. Anyway, that's, take them all the fanfare. They'd probably take them. They give me. They give me two cents per dollar on each one of them. Possibly. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, they don't pay anything for that stuff. Yeah. It's just sitting in your basement, though, right? So. Yeah. Anything right. would be better than sitting in your basement. That's true. So. Having that space back would right. be worth. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Do we have the second half of? of uh, maybe I have another message. I don't know who it's from, so okay. we'll find out. Hey, 
G. I'm going to watch that again. So, Matt Loomis. So, rewind here. I thought it was, I want to say Matt Wolf, but I knew that was wrong. So, rewind here. I'm having this dream last night. I'm at a convention. Let's just call it Grand Con. But it wasn't in its normal location. It was at a KB toy store. And I was done with the toy aisles, demoing a game of Matt Loomis's, a prototype that was, had this weird, like, flicky mechanic where you had to, like, pull this spoon thing back and, like, flip these little tokens that had emojis on them. And then there was a board that had these squares you're trying to hit. Uh, and the scoring was some multiple, multiplication of three factors, right? So they three, six, nine, depending on the tokens ended. And, uh, you know, I remember in the dream, I was like, oh, yeah, this game is not very good. And of course it wasn't very good because it was, it was designed somewhere in my brain, uh, and it was probably stupid, right? So, no, fast forward. So then I leave the demo and I'm walking down the aisle and there's all these, like, three foot tall robots like Voltron and Transor Z. And, you know, it was kind of something that had a very player one. And that was kind of interesting. And then I hear you actually there, so I go to the front door to meet you guys. And in walking Jason, and ho, 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 you know, and his, his whole very boisterous Jason himself. And then there's Rob. But Rob, Rob shaved and had no mustache on his face. And I was like, Rob, what are you doing? And, and we got an argument and almost got in a fist fight over you shaving, which is weird because... That, yeah. Anyways, um, what's it got to do with games? Not much. And why I even had it last night, I don't know. But I figured I'd share. Later. Okay. Um, that was a, that was another voicemail. <laughs> that was another voicemail from Lenny Wexford, a good friend of the show. What's next? <laughs> I don't have any comments on that. No, um, I, I did shave a long time ago. So, like um, earlier this summer, I haven't had a mustache in several months now. Uh, well, great. This next message is from someone else. Not from Linear Wexford? Not from Linear. I'm going to play it. It's probably all lies. I just want to pray to you guys ahead of time. This is probably just a BS message. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to play it anyways. All right. This is Joshua J. Mills from North Carolina, and I want to make sure all the builders out there know who actually won the 2017 Iron Design Challenge with two out of three judges voting for him. It was me. And if any of those other Bruno Bozo champions have a problem with it, I'll come for them. I'll come for you, Nicole, Ryan, Chagmire especially, and you, Ben. I'll come for you all. Also, please buy Rocky Road Alamode from Green Couch Gazins. A lovely, lovely little filler game everybody can enjoy. You're mine. Uh, so that was Joshua Johnson Mills. That's 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 an email from Joshua Johnson Mills, or sorry, a voicemail from Joshua Johnson Mills. So let's let's uh, talk about this a little. <laughs> so um, I feel like this does deserve some comments. Um, one of which is that um, we did indeed, um, we did indeed uh, have uh, some uh, stuff happen at the IDC. Yeah. Uh, two of the three judges did indeed vote for Josh as the winner. Of course, Josh wasn't actually a competitor, so right. he couldn't actually win. Technically not eligible. Um, but Josh knows how to steal a show, and he he was... Uh, this year was no uh, different than that. 
Uh, as for his threats against the other uh, IDC champions, I would take them more seriously if I thought they all couldn't take him. But uh, you know, I'm betting on all of them over over him. Yeah. So, um, Josh, I want you to know the uh, the injury that you inflicted upon me, where you uh, almost broke my hand, still hurts. That that uh, that piece of my hand, that spot on my hand, is still tender. Especially when it rains. Yep. May may I'm never fully heal. I mean. Uh, I don't think it's broken, but you may have chipped the bone. Certainly did some serious tissue damage. Yep. So, yeah. um, uh, I haven't decided yet. You might be hearing from my attorney soon. Second, uh, wrist injury Rob sustained at Gen Con. Yeah, right. So the other one was from a, a, a sword. Yeah, that was that was eleven years ago. Eleven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that happened. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, Rocky Royale mode though. You guys should check that game out. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, yeah, like Des- a real lot of fun. Like, despite the designer, so fun that I I feel like it's probably Josh wholesale stole that game from someone else. That's my guess. That's what he does. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun, and um, it's got some interesting uh, mechanics in it, some engine building, some time track stuff, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, you should check it out if you haven't. Yeah. So. Also, there's that dice cream game too. I don't think who I don't know who designed that one. I don't sure. remember. I heard it was better though. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't him, so it was probably better. <laughs> so. All right, here's another voice note from someone different. Someone different. I don't different. recognize this number, so okay. I don't know who it is. And that was anticlimactic. So that was a one-second voicemail from someone. Somebody hung up. Somebody hung up. So yeah, great. Well, that was cool. I love when that happens. Uh-huh. Um, Encouraging. Yeah. So I'm just going to delete that one because um, the audience can just listen to a one-second pause. Sure. With the same effect. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we got an email from uh, Rob Harper. Um, Rob Harper. Rob uh, has some stuff to say. The email is titled Animaniacs oh. Song and Stuff. Songs okay. and Stuff. Hi, guys. Thanks for making such a great podcast. Uh, I was just listening to you chatting about Animaniacs and Songs, and you mentioned a song about the countries of the world. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the version um, of the song that John Perkis of uh, Actual... 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 Uh, which is basically him singing his board game collection. It's worth a listen. Oh. Uh, I will put that link in the... Uh, I haven't seen that before, but mm. that sounds promising. I will put the link in our... Um, show notes. In our show notes. And, uh, yeah. So, that right. sounds cool. Thank you. We'll check that out. Um, so, um, I'm going to... Um, so, that is all the voicemails and stuff we have for this week. Oh, Okay. Okay, not as many as I thought. So, all right, moving on. Yeah, uh, there's one other thing I wanted to be able to talk about today. So, um, we talked a lot about Component Studio on the last... Uh, oh, yeah. So, I went out and signed up for that. Um, went up and signed up for it, and then uh, thought, oh, I'll give it a try, see how this goes. Um, all right, so... The, the end of the story is I canceled my subscription the next day. <laughs> okay. Um, now, listen, I've heard great feedback, including an email that I didn't read that was about uh, uh, something else uh, where somebody just happened to mention off the cuff, hey, I, I really loved uh, I really love Component Studio. It's yeah. killer. I've heard positive feedback from Neil. Yeah. Who uses it. Ray, who, uh, who uh, tweeted at me, it's, uh, Ray, who did the, uh, who, uh, the, the pinata uh, suggestion oh, for yes, the IDC, yes. Ray said that he's he does graphic design separately from that mm-hmm. and he loves Component Studio because it's just the workflow is so much easier than what he usually does that's great that's great 
Um, so I'm coming into this as a guy who struggles a lot with Photoshop. Um, I can do some things, you know, I mo make most of my prototypes in Word um, with, you know, just uh, icons and stuff being thrown in as pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, so I struggled with Component Studio and this is why. When you pull up the main page, log in, right? It says, click a button, let's create a project. So you click it and you create a project, right? Mm -hmm. So I did that. Then I said, all right, now I want to add some cards. I stared for about five minutes and saw off to the side something called uh, create a, um, create a, you know, it didn't even say that it was like component management system. Nothing to click on that. Couldn't get it to work. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to another area, figured out how to create something that I could then manipulate in there. But all I kept finding was they really wanted you to upload a list from Excel, right, okay. to create the cards. And in this case, for this prototype, uh, which is a game I'm actually going to pitch a little bit later on the show, um, for this, uh, I, the cards don't have any words on them. They just have pictures. I have the pictures. Uh, actually, I wanted to see if I could just create the pictures with their editor because I thought, well, that'd be great because mm -hmm. it was something that was not complex enough to need to do in Photoshop to where it was going to be really labor-intensive in Photoshop. Uh, and that wasn't going to work from what I could tell. Um, I guess I would have had to upload all, like, make the images and upload them all individually. But I guess what I struggle with is it, it wasn't intuitive at all, right? Okay. There was a thing that said, uh, like, setting global parameters and stuff for the, uh, for the, for the game. And they're great. I can see why somebody who's um, better at that sort of thing and who really understands workflow, like, the fact that Neil really likes it and finds it really easy doesn't surprise me at all. Like, Neil's a developer, a programmer by trade, right? So, I mean, that kind of stuff just makes sense to him. Um, it wasn't what I was looking for. Okay. Um, I, so I, I think it's awesome to hear others say, oh, this is great. I've heard the tutorials are wonderful. The fact of the matter is I wasn't looking for something that was going to require me to read, watch a bunch of tutorials, right? Mm. If I wanted to do that, I would learn in Inkscape or something like that, right? Or, or Photoshop, right? Sure. And I have certainly watched Photoshop tutorials when I was like, I can't do this. I need to do this. Um, but for me, it just wasn't what I wanted. Okay. Um, so I'm not dogging it at all. Uh, it was I don't think it was the program that I thought it was, um, okay. which is fine. Um, so what we'll do is, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, continue to give feedback that we hear from other people, um, you know, on, on the different stuff for it. Sure. Um, which is, like I said, it's no big deal that I didn't like it. Uh, I'm sure if somebody walked me through it and showed me really what I could do with it, I would love it. Um, but for me, for right now, it's just not worth... It's not going to sure. save me enough time to be worth it. Uh, and I'm not consistently printing stuff off the Game Crafter. I thought about being able to consistently print stuff. Like, wow, I could just push prototypes right through there and print them nice cards off the Game Crafter. But, you know, I, I complained before that I, ha I struggled with the Game Crafter's interface. Yeah. yeah, That was way more straightforward than this this I was. So, so hmm. way more. I still haven't had a chance to, to poke at it. I, I, I don't like to... Subscribe to things. I'm not a subscriber, right? right you know, right. so I probably, right. frankly, won't. Um, right. I've been I've been trying to learn Inkscape. Um, right. That's to, you've said. Yeah, the game that I'm going to pitch next week. I've been trying to do my prototyping exclusively through Inkscape for that, just as an just excuse to, practice, to, yeah. to to you know give myself a challenge and learn yeah. something. Um, and so far, I've found Inkscape to be pretty agreeable, pretty friendly, and pretty accessible. But I also have more direct. Experience and familiarity with the kinds of workflows that that sort of software right. wants you to follow. Um, right. The thing that I haven't 
like I, just since we're on the subject, right? So so using Adobe products, I would I would typically I would make if I was going to make a card, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I would um, I would make one generic card with mm-hmm. text placement and yep. and. and and image placement and stuff as kind of a template. Yep. And and I would um, and I would just you know change whatever I needed to and then save that as a separate file and get rid of it yep, and then go back to the original. Well. Yeah. Right. And it would just so I could just as repetitive as many repetitive actions as I could to break to break the creation of the card down into small basic steps. Yep. So and, and then that would also mean that everything was placed in the exact same locations. Right. And I haven't gotten good enough yet at Inkscape in order to be able to replicate that kind of, right, that kind of so repetitive templating structure. Um, so I'm not there yet, so I'm still pretty clumsy and pretty slow with it. Um, but I'm learning the tools, and I think I think it's been pretty good. Right, good. Well, a lot of people speak very highly yeah. of that. So I also downloaded GIMP. So, so Inkscape is supposed to be the, the open source alternative to Illustrator. GIMP is supposed to be the open source alternative to... Photoshop, Photoshop, right? Yep. And GIMP, I have found to be much less accessible. Um, Interesting. Okay. It, Good to know. Yeah. So, so that was not nearly as easy for me to pick up and jump into, and I found that kind of, kind of um, opaque at, at first try. So, I'll, I'll right. definitely try it again. Uh, in fact, probably, you know, this prototype that I'm doing right now is just the most basic cards and hex tiles, right? Right. Um, if I want to make it a little prettier, I'll probably need to do some more work in GIMP. Um, hopefully, I won't revert to Photoshop out right. of frustration. But so anyway, um, just to right. add to that thought. Right, right, yeah. So should I pitch a game then? Yeah, we're we'll uh, that. I wear a shirt. Yeah, it's gonna I'm be sure it's going to be a little shorter because yeah, recording on, on lunch means that we uh, have to be a little more, um, yeah, yeah, pay more attention to our timing. All right. So, uh, all right, so I'm going to pitch a game. Uh, this game is an abstract game, which is really weird for me. It is weird for you. Um, and the, uh, the game came together really, really fast. Um, and uh, I don't think I've talked about this game much on the show. I don't think so. Uh, but if I have, it's not a big deal because, uh, yeah, because it's changed quite a bit. So, all right, so the basic premise of the game was I, I saw this, I was playing this game on my phone. Um, it was just a, a game where you had like these three poker two to three poker chips would be I think it was normally two poker chips basically would be stacked uh, and then the poker chips would blow over like these stacks would blow over and it would kind of manipulate the field but it was a lot like a Tetris where you were just trying to eliminate rows or match three I guess even uh, but it was just a different way of doing it and I thought that's really neat and I thought gosh I love the idea of like pulling tiles out of a bag like what if I was to pull because this was just shows you some stacks and they're yeah. predetermined Pulling stuff out of a bag is cool. It is, right? Yeah. Like, there's that moment of like, what am I going to get, right? Yeah. So um, so the way the game works uh, is the idea that you're pulling these tiles out of a bag, um, and you're going to pull three tiles out blindly, of course, uh, and then you're going to stack those three tiles any way you like. One, two, three, right? Mm. Um, so uh, there's four colors of tiles, right? Uh, and you can, so you're going to get, you, you know, any assortment of that. You're going to stack them on a board. And the board is really simple. It's five by five square board. Okay. Uh, at the start of the game, you randomly reach in and grab three tiles and stack them without looking. This you Normally, oh. you don't do this. But for the first time, you stack it without looking. You put it right in the center of the board. Um, and uh, after you've done that, then uh, now the first player takes their turn. So so what's the point of the game? Well, the way the turn, turns work are pretty simple. Reach in the bag, blindly pull out three tiles, then I can look at them, I can stack them however I want. Mm-hmm. Now, one tile is my color, right? So it plays two to four players. 
and it really plays the same with two to four players because of the abstractness of the game. Mm-hmm. I then take those three tiles and place that stack anywhere on the board that's open of the mm-hmm. 25, 24 squares that start open. Um, and then uh, after that, I can take a second action if I choose, which is to take another stack, because there's no reason to do it the stack I just played, and flip it, like wholesale top to bottom, so grab it, flip it over so the bottom is now the top, and the top is now the bottom, and the middle has not changed. Or I can take the top tile and the middle tile and swap them. So now the middle is the top and the top is the middle. Follow me? Yep. Great. So that's what I can do on my turn. I place a tile, I have to place a stack of tiles, and then I may do that next step. To any right? other yes, stack. To out. Any other stack that's out there, right? Okay. So the farther you get along, the more there are. Now the point of the game is to score points, and there are three ways you're gonna score points in the game. First of all, you have these goal cards. The goal cards are basically Tetris shapes right now. There's 23 of them in the deck. Uh, you're going to start with two, um, and what they are is they're a pattern you want to make uh, with one, with four tiles, one tile of each color in a shape, and the shapes, with the exception of one, the shapes are all literally Tetris shapes, because okay. those are very recognizable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no two are the same. So it might be the L, but the, the colors are always in a different order, that even forwards and backwards, they're not the same, right? Mm-hmm. And you can manipulate it to, to make it match. Uh, and if you can if you can complete a card, you score three points, and then you draw another card, right? You can only complete one per turn. Okay. Um, and uh, so you're gonna. That's one way to score it. And then once uh, seven cards have been completed, so you're gonna take that stack of cards, right? Shuffle it up, and then count seven out, and put the seventh card will be uh, a scorecard, right? So it's predetermined when it is, but. You really got to pay attention to know when it's coming. And what that card's going to say is when, when you get to that, somebody's going to draw it and flip it over, right? And it's going to say, um, well, and actually what will happen is I think that it'll look different. So when you see it, right, when that person draws the card above it, boom, now we're scoring, right? Mm-hmm. So that card will say score one point for every tile of your color that's on the bottom, right? So the top you're scoring for, uh, for the patterns. Um, the bottom you're scoring for your color. Right, and it's it might sound hard to count, but it's actually pretty easy just to look along the sides and yeah. count by the rows. You're gonna score one point for each of those, and then the game's gonna continue. And at the end of the game, when the when the tiles when the after the twenty fourth turn when it's full, uh, what's gonna happen is you're gonna take all the top tiles, the very top tile off everything, mm-hmm. right? And then everyone's gonna score two points for every tile of their color that's in the middle. Right. Okay. Um, the reason you're scoring extra points for that is the middle doesn't help you for anything during the game until the end, right? Sure. So it um, so. So first you score the top. Then no, you score the, the top you're scoring via, uh, via the um the goal the patterns. Yeah, the goal right. patterns. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, the bottom you're going to score midway through the game, and at the end you're going to score the middle. Okay. Got it. Um, and what that does is that stops people from compounding too much. Originally, it would score top, bottom, top, bottom. Well, what would eventually happen is, through no fault of their own, somebody would have a ton of tiles on the top, and they'd score like 15 points, mm. and it'd be a runaway problem, and the scoring used to work based on the number of turns people were taking, and whether or not you took one action or two actions, and it, it just caused more problems than it solved. So this scoring was a little simpler, the idea that you score on top for the goal cards, the patterns, you score on the bottom for what you've earned by placing things the way you mm-hmm. want them, and then, you know, um, yeah, so... Okay. Uh, so it's uh, what I like. The things I like about it are it's really easy to teach, right? I mean, there are two actions in the game. Sure. One of which is really easy because it's pull three tiles and stack right. them. Yeah. Um, 
and then the strategy is it's, you kind of just see people pick up on it as they go, right? Like, oh, okay, I see. So I should be doing, oh, like, I have an extra turn. I don't have a pattern to ma- make. I might as well throw one of my tiles on the bottom so that yeah. I can score later, or in the middle so that it's worth more at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like I said, every card, pattern card, has four colors on it, every one of each color on it. That way you're never, oh, you know, too many reds came up, so red kept getting pushed to the top, which hurt red, yeah. you know, because they're not scoring points for sure. that. And um, Yeah, so that worked really well. Um, you played tested it at Grand Con? Yes, yeah. yeah. So I play tested it ahead of time with my wife, and she liked it, but her first comment was, I, I can put these tiles anywhere. Why do I care where I put these tiles? And I was like, you don't care where you put the tiles. She's like, well, that's a problem. Mm. <laughs> I was like, it is. So that's when I created the goal cards, the mm-hmm. patterns, to make you want to right. place them somewhere. And the original pattern cards that I did were just blank. Like It was like, here are four squares. They, can, they all have to be one color, but they can be any color that's not yours, right? So basically, you had to help someone else, and that was when you were still scoring on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became that. So when I took it to Grand Con, we played it. The big thing out of the first couple play tests was the scoring is broken. You need to fix the scoring. This game is awesome. The scoring is broken. Mm-hmm. John Gilmore happened to see me playing it with someone, and so later he said, "Can we play that tile game? I want to try it." I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. I would love sure. your feedback on that. Right. So he, um, so he gave me his his feedback was he loved the game, but the scoring was broken. Yeah. But hey, John had an idea how to fix the scoring, which wow. was. Why don't you just make it a set scoring partway through the game uh-huh. in the middle? And the key, he, I was so determined you were going to score top and bottom. And he was like, but you're already scoring the top with these tiles, with, with the patterns. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, so I was like, oh, yeah, duh. Right. Um, and then he came up with the do one of each color in the patterns. And uh, and once I had that, then I was golden. So now I'm going to – I don't want to take it to Unpub to test. I'd rather take it to Unpub to show publishers mm-hmm. because I don't – I'm sure if I played it with 10 different people, I'll have 10 different minor tweaks that I sure. should make to the game. Oh, yeah, of course. But I don't want to make those minor tweaks to the game because the game is fun and the game works. So mm-hmm. um, let a publisher do that if they're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so now it's trying to figure out who to show it to. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't have a theme. And the only thing that was suggested that I didn't hate was rock cards. You know, like where you stack rocks. Oh, yeah. So like, um, like rock cards and like a Zen Garden type thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that. I mean, frankly, it's not any more exciting than it just being tiles. And if it's just going to be tiles, um, what was I going to say? If, um, you know, if it's, it only makes sense to be something like rocks if you can have tiles that look like rocks and feel like rocks, right? Because then, then, oh yeah, if you had a bag of rocks, right, that could stack? Right. So let me tell you the the thing that I, that I see when you, when I think about Uh thinking about square tiles stacked up in a grid, right? When Christine and I were in England, and we went to tour the Roman baths in Bath, uh-huh. and they had they had excavated the old the old ruins there, and um, it was built around a hot spring. Uh-huh. And one of the things that they had done, uh, the the ancient Romans, they had uh, they had built the entire complex with an elevated floor, so that they could circulate the the hot natural spring water underneath the floors to uh-huh. have heated floors. Nice, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. And by, to do that, they had, they had a, a floor, and then they, uh, they had um, basically had taken terracotta, square terracotta tiles and stacked them up in, in a perfect grid, and then taken marble tiles and placed them on top of those. 
Okay. So that the four corners of the square marble tile, each each was at each was sitting on top of a stack of the terracotta tiles. Okay. And then they were all lined up like that. And so obviously all the marble tiles have been removed because the marble had been reclaimed for other things. But the stacks of terracotta tiles to elevate the floor were all still there. And it was it was a stack of square tiles in a perfect square grid across the floor. I don't know what you can do with that. I'll try and find right. a picture on. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds interesting. It would just be figuring out how to make scoring make sense with that and how. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, you so. could say you're building the Roman baths or something, right? Right. Something to that effect. I I don't know, uh, but that's just the first thing that pops into my head when right, I right, see right. that. Others suggested make it buildings, um, make I, it skyscrapers. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not super jazzed about that. They could be color um, meeples that you're stacking up, and something about people. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm going to keep messing around, trying to look for themes to see if something clicks. Could be a server farm. See, that sounds really boring. Yeah. But I get you. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're, you're ta- right. server racks, right? And you're, you're right. organizing your server. Yeah. Uh, that's, no, that's certainly another idea. So I just need to, like, search, like, stacks of things right. and just, like, <laughs> carry it out. Yeah. If it can't, if it's not, if it doesn't feel right though it sh- I think it should just stay in abstract right right yeah. and I'm not opposed to that you know what I mean that feels more honest abstract with rocks in a zen garden does feel really easy it's good yeah so and the game is pretty mellow when you're playing it so you could do instead of square tiles you could do like round wooden discs true yeah yeah, yeah. kind of kind of flat round discs right. that might be more rock like true true so 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 I think for the purposes of testing for now and for pitching to publishers I'll probably just keep it as it is unless a theme really speaks to me, but I also worry about the issue of like putting in a theme and publishers are like I don't like that theme, but like then they're missing the fact that the game is like mm-hmm. super easy to do, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think presenting it as an abstract and then saying I don't know about abstract, you could say well, so one thing, one thought I had is right. the Zen Garden thing. You could go right. that route, right? Yeah. 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 That, that actually is not bad. I think we got to wrap up, though, right? Yeah, we're about okay. out of time here. All right, so, so. thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, normal stuff, um, at PodcastBTG on Twitter, at J.A. Slinger, and at Pulley underscore Design, Google Voice number 770-TEL-BTG, buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com, buildinggamepodcast.com, all that stuff. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Bye. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast.